This is the Mondayest of Mondays. Monday. We're good. Monday. We're rolling now. Do it. It's Go Monday, ahead. November 15th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. It's episode 220. Darren Zook is on the phone with us and has joined to give us a rundown on his experience with the latest MacBook Pro. How's it going, fellas? Going it's on? going. We made it. Okay. We did it. Yes. We're finally we're finally here. We're recording. Like it's funny, we were talking about uh, in the pre-show, I guess you could say, the uh, difficulties we had with recording SevOps just because execution was difficult uh, at that level of energy. And then uh, we sort of had a similar rough start today. But what are you going to do? Doing well yeah. on our end. If you don't know uh, what SevOps is, go check it on the YouTubes. And then, yeah, check it on the YouTubes. And then never tell us about it. <laughs> it's great. Everyone loves it. It was, it was some of our best work. Um, I, I, was, I wanted to talk about the weekend now that yeah. we are recording um, because because I had a great weekend. Um, now, uh, the Dallas Mavericks won the basketball team. Uh, mm-hmm. That was on Friday. Also on Friday, uh, Texas Tech basketball team won. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on Friday, the United States men's national soccer team beat Mexico in the World Cup qualifiers. What up? Three times this year, which is the first time either team has won all three bouts in a year uh, since like 1937. So that was pretty cool to see. Uh, Then uh, go Saturday, uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders, my team hit a 62-yard field goal, which if I'm completely honest, I was unaware college kickers could do to win a game. Uh, I legitimately told my friend Brandon, who was sitting next to me, I said, there's no way he makes this. I'll be just completely transparent and honest. I did not think he was making it. Um, and, Most uh, people and he did. would think that. Yeah, I will tell you guys, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but the, the way he was facing, I can guarantee he had winded his back, and it's a Lubbock wind. So yeah. he might have been able to kick an 80-yard field goal with right. that Lubbock wind at his back. Uh, awesome. So that definitely was going for him. I, I have a feeling that played into the decision to even try and kick it, to be completely honest. It's awesome. Uh, so that was good. Uh, and then we the need to talk about any other Texas. games on. Yeah. Okay. There we can yeah. talk about that one, but no other games. <laughs> no, we're going we're to talk about uh, a couple more. So the University of Texas <laughs> lost to Kansas in Austin. Uh, and and no, while the time. University of Texas did beat Texas Tech into the ground, I will acknowledge that. Uh, we did not lose to Kansas, and we never trailed to Kansas, and we completely shut out Kansas in Lawrence until the last like three minutes when we put our third string in, and I think they scored once or twice. So uh, that was enjoyable. And then Chris Beard, who is the uh, leader of the Texas Longhorns basketball team, my former coach at Texas Tech and the former head coach at Texas Tech, uh, got pummeled into the ground like a high school team playing the Mavericks by Gonzaga and a dude with a man stash who dropped 37 on him. That was incredible. <laughs> I enjoyed every second of it. And then the Dallas Cowboys absolutely ran a train on whoever the, the heck they were playing yesterday. I don't even... It, was, was it, was it an sleep. NFL team? Yeah, it was an NFL team. They were sleepwalking. <laughs> Nobody had ever put up like you. You don't put up what was it, thirty six points and a half on another NFL team? It's just crazy. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. absolutely crazy. And then we had a few, you know, sort of key losses. You know, usually I root for our division to lose, but in this particular case, one of the terrible teams in our division, the Washington Football Team, actually beat the Bucks, which is beneficial for us. So it was just a, it was a phenomenal sports weekend. 
It's crazy all around from my perspective. So it was a, that it is was a, a lot of sports ball, like a lot. Yeah. Well, this is now called Sports Breakfast Podcast. So that's right. That's right. I had to anyway. bring it in because it's just important. It's important to me that everyone knew that I had a really good weekend. I don't get a lot of those based on based on sports <laughs> results lately. So you know, it was good. It's good stuff. All right. Well, I, was, it, I agree. It was a good weekend. It was a good weekend from a sports perspective. Do we need any other things from the weekend, or do we want to move to this day in tech history? I like the weekend with solid artists. Okay. Anything else? Anything else anybody wants to share? Okay. Uh, today in tech history, um, tech tech stocks are pretty dominant. So this is somewhat tech related. And I guess just the ability to trade uh, in the NYSE and all that kind of fun stuff. The very first stock ticker debuted on this day. You tell me the year. With the very first stock mm. debuted? Mm-hmm. Stock. The very first stock ticker is unveiled in New York City. Nineteen fifty-seven. Oh no, not that. This is just my guess. That's what I got no, for I'm, you. Like, you, you, haven't, I'm, you haven't guessed. Gosh. I'm thinking nineteen seventies. I'm gonna go with like seventy-three. Wait, the ticker? The first ticker? Yeah. No. The first stock uh, ticker. You think it's gotta okay, be before that, bro? Tell yes. us. Yes, I I know. I don't know the year. I'm gonna go it with like existed in the '60s, which is why I'm trying to go in the '50s. That's my guess. That's what I'm doing. Maybe maybe I'm way off on on my interpretation. I mean, tickers existed before you know we had them streaming through Yahoo Finance and stuff. So I'm gonna go with twenty. Uh, that would be the '90s. The '20s. Tyler likes guessing the '20s. I love I it. I do, but I actually it might be earlier. Like my first. Gut was like 1909, but I want to. I'm gonna stick with it. You're getting warmer. Specific year, Tyler. I'll tell you, you're getting warmer. 1909 just just hopped into my head, but I can't go any lower than that, so I'm not gonna. How do you feel about November 15th, 1867? Whoa, way too. Blow your mind. Blow your mind. So prior to this, information from the New York Stock Exchange has been around since the since 1792. It traveled by mail or messenger. That's awesome. Yes. Okay, so that's 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 a lot earlier than I thought. Obviously, or I would have guessed earlier. Yeah. But um, I knew I knew tickers were around because I remember hearing stories about like small town America. Like, think my parents' grandparents, right? Yeah. One in particular, he he followed the stock market like all the time and he had printed out tickers just going and he was yeah. one of the first people to have a display of any kind uh, in in like a general store that would display um you know stock information he was very very interested in it and and that would have been i don't know like 20s 30s that's that's yeah. kind of where that came from i i figured he was early but he really wasn't that early if it was 18 would you say 60 something Holy cow. 1867 correct yeah so i mean obviously um the up to the to the minute information revolutionized the stock market but uh the yeah. ticker was the brainchild of edward callahan which makes me think of a funny movie uh who configured a telegraph machine to print stock quotes on streams of paper tape same paper tape later used obviously in the ticker tape parades uh, the ticker, which caught on quickly with investors, got its name from the sound its type wheel made. And then the last yeah. mechanical version of it debuted in the 60s, eventually replaced by computerized tickers with electronic displays, et cetera, et cetera. But I thought that might blow your mind. Did it? 1867. It did. Boom. It's, it blows my mind. What I have the question now of, is it was it more easy or less easy to speculate at that time in a way that affected the ticker's value? Yeah, that's a fantastic you know I mean? question. 
Yeah, because you could get you could get information if you knew the right people um, trading a commodity. You could get insider information a long time before other people, right? Yeah, absolutely. This, uh, and, and, yeah. You know, information spreads less quickly then, but at the same time, yeah. you can't like you can't fact check or look into it as e- as easily. I don't know. It's just uh, yeah. also probably a, a lot harder question. to capitalize on the like everything had to have moved slower, which means that yeah. all of the ups and downs were probably smoothed a bit as well. I would agree. Yeah. Yep. I kind of forgot about the fact that. The- obviously existed before the internet age i think that's the part that i was i was neglecting because like even now looking back on it like you know the tickers were you know published in newspapers at you know for a long time too so it it totally makes sense but certainly uh uh i missed that one by a long shot okay yeah i think i was right uh today also happened to be the day that microsoft released the xbox gaming console it did 2002 2001 dang it 20 years Today's twenty years, twenty year anniversary of the Xbox. So that that makes sense that that they would have a twentieth year anniversary. Yeah, it does make sense on the twentieth. <laughs> yeah, I thought for sure y'all saw that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're doing a really cool event today too. Um, noon, I think they're supposed to be doing some like celebration thingy thingy. Celebration. Yep. On uh, I like that word. about the Xbox. So it's at noon central, I want to say. Uh, probably streamable on things like Twitch and YouTube and other various websites that will embed it. So uh, I'm going to try and be there. I'm looking forward to it. I really liked the first Xbox. Um, I didn't get mine until 2002, which is probably why I said that out loud so quickly. Uh, but uh, I did. My dad, I remember... He rented an Xbox when it came out because you could do that at Blockbuster. I remember renting those. Not myself. I remember renting them to people because. But uh, yeah, I forgot all about. We basically rented it several times until he decided that he wanted to buy a DVD player or a new one. I don't know if he had one at the time. And he actually opted to buy an Xbox because it could play DVDs and then he could also play games. So he, he bought mm, it for that's a, right. a dual purpose setup. So we ran that Xbox as our DVD player. I mean, basically until he stopped playing DVDs, <laughs> um, <laughs> that was the thing they used forever. Uh, so it was, uh, I was so excited, but yeah, I remember renting it within the first couple months of it releasing, which could you even imagine doing that now? I mean, I don't think there would even be availability to be able to rent something. And uh, no, probably not. And then playing this game called Halo, and I was like, "What is this stuff? It's not as good as Counter Strike." <laughs> and uh, that was that was the moment, you know. Got introduced to Halo. It was a good time. I want to say it was two, two or three. I sold my PlayStation to buy an Xbox to play Halo. There you go. Yep. All right, let's move on to the show. Latest tech. No. Uh, who do we have on? We got Darren and dude, what do you want to talk about? The Zookmeister. Well, I know, I know there was some, you know, some, some banter a few weeks back on the new MacBook Pro, the Notchbook Pro. As, dude, we just had like, to make fun of it because it was, <laughs> you know, sure, it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, I like it. Yeah, I'm rolling I, I figured you would. The guy that wrote the script with the mouse going behind the notch on the screen and then <laughs> becoming massive because it was in front of the camera, quote unquote. I was dying laughing. <laughs> and people were falling for it. And in the background of the video he's sharing, you can see the code he wrote that talks about the the, the size of the mouse. Even throat. better. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean anyway. I had uh I had some delayed delivery on mine, unfortunately. I was uh I was at the beach the week that my 
MacBook Pro was delivered, so it arrived oh, Monday. Poor and Zook. Home till Friday. I know. It was sad. <laughs> it was sad. Um, but no, I mean, honestly, you know, after spending now about two weeks with it, um, I can honestly say it's you know a very similar experience to anybody who's obviously ever used a Mac before. The biggest change, and I mean, and this is something that I, I think will come as no surprise. Uh, just because you know this is what Apple has now kind of become known for with their chips and uh, their efficiencies and otherwise with them is just the battery life is absolutely ridiculous and the overall you know um, what do I want to call this uh, just the overall heat generation from it it no longer heats a room the way that my work issued MacBook Pro does. It <laughs> um, was a feature. It was a feature, yeah. You don't have to pay for heat when you've got a computer that does it for you. I mean, um, we're basically talking about a, a chip that is designed for a cell phone running an entire laptop. So it's you right. know, it, it's it's never lived in such a large house before to be able to dissipate <laughs> heat around. So much airflow. It's true. That is true. Um, so yeah, so to give you kind of the breakdown on my specs, so I opted for the 14-inch model. Um, I had known that I wanted to go more portable. So perfect size. I was looking at yeah, 13, 14-inch range. Um, I did the M1 Pro, um, but I did the the high-end version of it. So if you went out and you looked at the specs for these laptops, they actually released a a version of this chip that actually was uh, handicapped a bit uh, using the binning process. Um, and so they had like an eight core, or I'm sorry, a, yeah, an eight core version of it versus the 10 core. I did opt for the 10 core version. So I've got the 10 core M1 Pro and I did 32 gigs of RAM. It also has the 16 core GPU. Um, the biggest thing I would say for, for these things is just the fact that like, it's really hard to, you know, measure your day-to-day -day usage, but everything just feels significantly snappier than the Intel variant. And, you know, I've got a, I've got a 2019 iMac and then um, I think my work issued MacBook Pro is like a 2018 model. Um, and, you know, they're, they're no slouches by any means, you know, uh, they, they both are quite quick machines. Um, but just in terms of, again, day-to-day -day usage, um, I haven't really put it through its paces yet in terms of just some of the high-end stuff that, um, you know, that I've done around photo editing, video editing, um, and otherwise, but everything just feels significantly faster. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, do you it's, have it's, a comparison versus, so I have the, um, M1 Mac mini that is, yeah. I, I think it was released last year. Uh, is, do you have any frame of reference for a speed improvement, say over that? So for my specific one, I mean, in my specific use cases, no, but some of the benchmarks that I've seen, for, you know, from people that have actually done some comparisons against the Mac mini, I think against like the base model Mac mini, um, and which is what I think model, I have, mine was yeah, the like, base model. I have, I have the 16 gigs and it was like yeah. 900 bucks. So I think that's all I did. Okay. I, uh, so I have like the base model, base model Mac mini. So it only has eight gig of RAM. And I know somebody did a comparison and I want to say they said, um, out of the box for the base macbook pro um it was like 35 or 40 percent faster um and that's the eight core version versus you know versus the eight core m1 um so right. the m1 the m1 pro i would assume you know goes above and beyond that um i don't know any specific numbers there but i i think that you know it you could probably see it getting probably in that 60 percent range faster something like that and i mean what's crazy about that to me too is the fact that the the M1 by itself was already, you know, competing with desktop class processors. 
um, previously. So to see to see that much more performance out of you know again the the next generation of kind of the mobile chipset for them um, is impressive. And and you know some of the benchmarks I know did did some some benchmarking against it. I mean some of the stuff that it was doing even from a graphics comparison to some of the desktop cl- class graphics processors that are out there was just insane. Um, so I can I can throw those links in the chat too. Yeah, the uh, I've been very impressed with my Mac Mini's performance. The uh, my old server, my Plex server that I ran, um, it was a. I mean, it's older. It was the Intel. Uh, it was one of the Nux. Was the Skull Canyon Nux? So from it was like the very first original kind of performance centric Nux they made. I think it was probably 2014 or something like that. You know, four cores, eight threads, I had 32 gigs of memory in it, and uh, you know, a couple M dot twos, and it, it, it was pretty plenty good at the time. Now, granted, I did I ran Linux on it, which does struggle with GPU-related hardware acceleration. That's just a, a fact of life. And I could not run any way, shape, or form a 4K video off of that system. It just it just could not handle it. And even with the M1, which I believe is actually emulating the Plex program, I don't think it's Correct. running it natively. Yeah. Yep, it is. It's it's able to it, it it sort of starts off slightly choppy, but it smoothens out very quickly and it was able to run a non-pre-encoded 4K video with relatively no issues. So I was very impressed at the speed improvement that 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 was able to provide over my you know, admittedly I guess it's 6 7 years old now, but uh still pretty pretty strong system at the time. Uh, Intel-based system running just you know regular Ubuntu-based Linux. It wasn't Ubuntu, but a variant. So I, I've been impressed with what they've provided out of, out of the mini, at least. And this is you know a year newer sort of improvement model and what you're running in the MacBook Pro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I mean, obviously, you know, they've they've gone through some chassis redesign with this. Um, I was actually a bit taken back by the pictures. Honestly, made it seem a lot thicker than what it actually was in real life. Um, it's actually very comfortable to hold, very comfortable to use. Uh, it does not feel like uh, the tower that it looks like compared to like a MacBook Air. Um, but the one thing that I was kind of surprised about, my wife and I uh, Friday um, ran out to, uh, we, we were running some errands and we decided to swing by uh, the Apple store, our local Apple store. And I looked at the 14 inch next to the 16 inch and I can't even imagine having to tote around one of the, the 16 inch variant of this because the thing just seems massive by comparison. Um, but there, you know, there are a few like little nuancey things like, so obviously the notch is the big glaring one that everybody tends to, to poke at. And I think if I had anything to complain about, it's not the notch itself. It's how the UI interacts with the presence of the notch. Um, it, it almost ignores that it's there entirely, except for when you're doing certain things. So, um, you know, if you're familiar with Mac OS, you know, you've got the menu bar at the top of the screen. And if you click on a menu and you, you know, you basically drag your your mouse cursor across the top of the screen, um, the cursor will actually bounce to the other side of the notch. Um, So, you know, it's only when you're actually clicked, though, will it bounce to the other side of the notch. If you are not, you know, clicked on the menu bar in any way, shape or form and you mouse behind the the actual notch, 
the mouse disappears because the UI is not accounting for the fact that the notch is there. So it's just, there's a lack of consistency in, in just some of the UI things um, almost like, and again, I think we know this is historically Apple. They, their UI teams, their, you know, the, the folks that are out there focused on designing the UI are not the same people who are responsible for the industrial design of the product. So because those two teams don't have the ability to communicate internally because of that culture of secrecy, you end up with these weird UI issues and other things that you know tend to crop up. And it creates kind of an inconsistent user experience that ultimately, I think, will get ironed out. It's just one of those things that there's just there's some overall weirdness and clunkiness within the UI that I expect will probably be addressed in a future software update. Yeah, I you know it's it's interesting. I was thinking about this with the notch, and the notch is just sort of a fun thing to make fun of. It's I just think the design is silly, and we've seen better designs come from other, I guess, mobile devices. Anyways, I mean, you can do very small cutouts if you're trying to be a bezelless device on a laptop. You could give it a little kind of a flip of the edge on top to be able to help with the opening of the laptop itself. But it's you know it, the thing that's interesting to me is. From a design perspective on the iPhone, in my experience with it, which you know, of course, I don't, I don't, I don't use one day to day. My iPad doesn't have one, but my wife does. My wife has one, and I use it with fair regularity just for various reasons. And I never run into any UI issues there. And I think that a big reason for that is because of how extremely explicit Apple is when it comes to design of anything, anything running inside of an iPhone. And I, I think they desire the same thing on a Mac, but I don't think they can necessarily enforce it the same way because you don't have the exact same delivery model. Right. And at least not, not, not in, enforced delivery model the same way. And so I think that because of that, you're more likely to run into these. I'm just going to use air quotes issues. You know, I don't know how often the top middle of the screen is really a problem. I mean, my camera on my desktop often covers it up. But the... That that's something that it just sort of hit me was that I don't I'm sure they thought about it, but maybe just the lack of control in comparison to an iPhone, they obviously still have a significant amount of control over their environments, probably is what leads to some of these continuity issues. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think, you know, obviously you've got different peripherals that you're going to be potentially using, certainly different displays, different aspect ratios, different form factors, etc. Um, one of the things I will say that that still blows my mind just about the M1, and maybe you've had some of this experience too. So, for example, um, you know, I, I think a lot of us, you know, one of the first things we do when we get a new machine is we'll start playing, or even a new display, is we'll start playing with, you know, what different resolutions we want to ultimately utilize and that type of thing. One of the biggest things I think that was kind of mind-blowing about the M1, and now obviously the M1 Pro, the M1 Max have that the same experience, is you know when you change a desktop resolution, those of us that have used Intel machines for a long time, you have that kind of flickering that has to occur, you know, where the display almost shuts off and comes back on again as it's changing the refresh rate, as it's you know if the refresh rate changes or it's changing the overall resolution. With the M1, the M1 Pro, you know, Apple's chips, there is no there is no flickering that takes place. It's it's just the resolution changes on the screen right in front of you. The screen doesn't flash off or flash back on again. It just it just changes. Um, and even more so than that, what was really interesting to me. So this was the first time. Um, this this call right now was the first time that I actually have docked my uh, LG monitor via USB C to my MacBook Pro. Um, and and I you know I basically just removed the cable from my uh, my 2018 MacBook Pro. 
moved it over to my 14 inch MacBook Pro with the M1 Pro, just plugged it in. And instantly, you know, the display came to life. There was no flickering process that had to occur between, you know, the two screens or anything like that to, you know, kind of refresh all the displays. It just instantly popped up on the screen. All of the peripherals that are attached to the USB hub came right in and there was there was no recognition process. Everything was just there. And it was pretty impressive to me because it's just, again, these are things that I think, you know, at least for me as a Mac user for a long time, I've been accustomed to, hey, everything's going to take a minute to kind of settle in before I can really start to get going. And all of that is now just kind of gone, um, which is which is pretty cool. That's interesting. I'm trying to think of uh, <clears throat> either one of two things, either one I this doesn't happen to me or it, I, it happens so often that I just don't notice it. It's, it's one of the two. It's just not something that I ever, ever thought about. You know, I think of my uh, system 76 laptop, which, uh, you know, runs pop OS variant of Linux. I plug that into my USB C downstairs in my office or upstairs in our, I guess it's my hallway. It has a built-in desk there. I have USB C docks there. One's a three, one's a four. And in either scenario, I plug it in and you know, the, it just, it just sort of, you know, the screen just sort of pops up. Now, I guess the very first time I did it, I did have to sort of set my screen's position and where they were um, for, for each individual dock, right? Because I on one of them, my, my laptop's on the right. The other one, my laptop is on the left. And so I had to set those the first time. But every time since then, you know, just sort of, you know, I plug it in, it, it pops up sort of thing. But I, you know, on my Mac mini that I have, it's just plugged via HDMI into one of my monitors. And so I just, you know, it's, I don't have the same, it's not a laptop, so I don't have the same experience, sure. but it's, it sounds smooth. That's about all I can say. I just don't know that I've noticed that particular um, thing, but I, you know, I don't, I don't use Mac OS regularly on, on any system. I mean, my Mac mini and, and my wife's old, very old 10 year old MacBook are the only two that I've really had much experience with outside of when I was a kid, you know, using them. Uh, yeah, let's, so go ahead, you mentioned yeah. something about um, peripherals. Have you, I mean, the thing that I've seen most people the most excited about is the fact that there are ports <laughs> on the MacBook Pro. I mean, for the first time in, you know, quite a few years, at least since like 2000, maybe 15 or 16, it seems like, that has been the biggest revelation. I feel like most people have said it's like I actually have ports <laughs> that I can use on my system, <laughs> which yeah, to was... a lot of companies, not just Apple, have done over the years. Like my system, one reason why I actually bought it, my System 76, you know, it's a 2.2 pound, 14 inch Ultrabook. I mean, it's very thin, it's very light. And I've got HDMI and I've got USB C that can do charging and display. And I have USB A. I mean, I have a bunch of different ports on it. And that's one of the main things that I liked about that system when I bought it. Yeah. So, um, I did play with, uh, I, I did play with the SD card slot already. Um, I say play with, I used it. Um, the, uh, uh, we were cleaning out my office the other week, uh, or yeah, it was, I think the other weekend actually. And, uh, Found, came across a stack of SD cards, had no idea, you, you know, what devices they belong to or otherwise. So we were kind of going through and just seeing what could be cleaned out and thrown away and that type of thing. And uh, yeah, it's very nice. It's convenient that it's there, uh, you know, and not really 
uh, I don't know that I really ever noticed that it was gone just because an SD card isn't something that I'm, you know, throwing into a laptop. But for some yeah, pros, I don't, I don't use SD cards for yeah, basically. Yeah. But anything. for some pros, I can totally see how how that you know is is a game changer. I don't use like a right. DSLR or anything like that. Um, so I'm not doing it probably as frequently as others. Uh, I will say the one thing that was a nice, you know, welcome back to the Mac for me was MagSafe. Um, and, and what's yeah, nice too just is... put that in the chat. I, I, I remember the MagSafe actually from Buley's, you know, he had a work Mac for, for years when I had first met him. And, uh, I think that had the MagSafe on it, if I remember. Yeah. And I always thought that was a good idea. It did. Yeah. It was, MagSafe, I, I couldn't believe they went away from it. Yeah, MagSafe, MagSafe is really awesome, and it was it was incredibly satisfying to snap it back onto the side of the laptop for the first time. The one thing I will say though is it, it's it, so they changed it. Um, it's a much thinner, uh, thinner profile even than what MagSafe two was, which was the one that was on. I'm trying to think what what years that were, but I know I had a 2015 MacBook Pro as my last personal macbook or my last personal laptop i should say and that had uh magsafe 2 which was a little bit narrower like than like the first generation um this time around they made it even thinner um which i mean ultimately means that you know the surface area because the surface area is smaller they have to increase the overall magnet strength um and because of that i would say it's actually more secure than probably the first and second generation magsafe were um, it's very easy to pull out if you, you know, kind of, uh, wiggle it, you know, up and away from the device or down and away from the device, but the, you know, the kind of lateral movement that side to side, you know, forced to kind of just tug it out of the laptop is not near as, um, forgiving <laughs> as what the yeah. previous generations were. So it, it actually, I would say would be potentially possible to still yank this laptop off a desk or, or something like that. Um, if it would not tug away in time, um, I've not tested it. I don't have a desire to test it, but I've seen some fairly interesting tests on YouTube videos and otherwise that people have indicated that. But the other thing that I will say I really like about this is the fact that they did not take away USB-C charging capabilities either. So if, you know, if I have a USB-C charger from my 2018 MacBook Pro, I can use that to charge via the USB-C ports or Thunderbolt 4 ports, whatever you want to call them that are on, you know, the new MacBook Pro as well. So if, if they would have taken that away, I would not have applauded the MagSafe. Uh, yes, adding agreed. the MagSafe agreed. while keeping USB-C charging is absolutely the right play in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Now there are some there are some nuances I think for the 20s or for the 16-inch model that uh you can't do fast charging via USB-C because the USB-C standard doesn't support over 100 watts um of output uh right sure. now. So yeah. th there are some there are some kind of you know different nuances there, but for the 14 inch model, I can do fast charging and everything you know utilizing USB C and MagSafe equally. So pretty cool. Um, and then I well, have not it supports used the Display Port too. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yep, the USB C. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yep. Um, I can't decide I, whether or not. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I've not used the HDMI port yet. Um, but you know I know it's obviously limited to 60 FPS. Can't do 120. Um, but I think some of that too is is limitation in the bandwidth of the Thunderbolt controller because I don't think Thunderbolt four yet can even do true 120 uh, FPS over uh, with uh, I think 4K at that point or 6K I forget which which one they were trying to to push for but that also means that HP, HDMI 2.1 I, I know there was some 
you know, some buzz that had been made about that. The fact that, hey, you know, Apple's, you know, putting HDMI back on a laptop, but they're not, you know, putting the latest and greatest, you know, that's available. And and some of that is just because of the limitation of the, some of the technology that's in, inside. Yeah, two one or higher can get you the one twenty hertz, but uh, none of that matters to me because I need two forty and no HDMI. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. Darren, did they did the headphone jack go away and then come back as well, or has it always been there? Because I can't decide whether or not they're making good decisions there. Everything they have is <laughs> not use the headphone jack. So no, so the the headphone jack has uh, to date not left any of the laptop models. So even okay. the most even the most ridiculously thin MacBook they did uh, a couple of years ago, I want to say it was like they just called it the MacBook, and it was a twelve inch uh, that, that was one. like super oh, razor board. thin. Yeah, still they, has they the headphone did, jack. It still had the headphone jack, even though nothing they sell supports a headphone jack. Otherwise, yeah. So the they yeah they don't support the headphone jack with the exception of having a dongle on both the iPhone and the the iPad. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a couple like of models Apple needs a continuity team, <laughs> like like Star Wars, which doesn't do a good job of it, candidly. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean they do support so. What what is interesting too is the fact that um, I have a USB C to a headphone dongle um, for my iPad Pro, and that actually that dongle the also iPad Pro works. Is USB C. The iPad Pro is yeah, dude since 2018. What? Yep. Since 2018. Wait, why is the so, iPhone not USB C then? I well, know. Well, it drives me crazy. <laughs> I have that I, I bought that iPad because it was USB C. So so uh, Apple well this this will really blow your mind too. So Apple oh, now no, every nothing device, is surprising me at this point. No. So every device except for the absolute base entry model iPad, which is $329, and every version of the iPhone, those two devices have lightning. Every other device that Apple sells is USB-C now. Is USB-C. I, okay. I know. It, it, and they even ship their phones with USB-C charging cables in them. <laughs> they do. They do. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It drives me. It's, you know it's, a dongle. it's basically a dongle, dude. So that way you can connect your lightning to the USB-C port on your MacBook or whatever. Yeah, dude, 100%. Or, or dude, and, and USB-C iPhones yeah, are $86,000. Like, yeah, I saw that. That's that, that was bananas. <laughs> Just absolutely, absolutely bananas. crazy. So some guy some guy went through the process of actually changing out the the connector from a lightning port to a USB-C port on an iPhone 10. I don't think it was even uh anything more it took recent. It 2 than years that. to do it. He he's yeah. he's had well, it. Yeah. He, he bought that when it was the year one year older phone is I, I heard right. it or saw an interview with him. Right. Wait, but, and so um, the power oh, I'm looking at the MagSafe three cable. The other end of it of the MagSafe three is a USB C. It is. Mother of God. <laughs> yeah. Um so, yeah, which is actually it? interesting too. Because Could you charge it you off use... of a USB C port on another MacBook? Uh, I mean, theoretically, I guess you could. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just create this I chain. I why you this is moving power. <laughs> Apple is explicitly trying to troll me at this point. <laughs> this is this is what they're somebody, doing. Somebody actually posted a picture in a form that I was l- looking at the other week, where they had the MagSafe connector connected to the laptop, and then the USB C on the other end of the MagSafe cable connected to the laptop as well. So it looked like the laptop was charging <laughs> itself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, um, 
creates. But yeah, it's. I mean, it'll be interesting. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what they do with the iPhone line. I honestly can't imagine them not switching to USB-C with the iPhone 14. And the biggest reason, actually, is is not necessarily because of the the cable standards themselves. It's the fact that Lightning is still limited to USB 2.0 speeds. And this has become a significant issue for, for pros, especially with the iPhone 13 Pro, because with the iPhone 13 Pro, they introduced um, the ability to capture ProRes footage um, from a video perspective. And ProRes captures at such a high bitrate um, and creates such massive files that what you saw was that over lightning, um, it would take these guys longer to transfer the footage off of the phone than it took to actually capture the footage, which is you know, kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, MKBHD and a few others who have done kind of in-depth reviews have noted that as well, um, that it's now reaching a point where, you know, it's actually preventing um, the pro usage of the phone um, because of the fact that, you know, again, lightning is, is limited is to the old USB 2.0 features. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, yeah, if, you're listening right now. And you're just kind of casually listening. Um, to say that again, that that is that's unbelievable. But in order to transfer from the phone to the MacBook, it takes longer to do the transfer than it would be to capture the video. You take a four minute video; it's going to take five or six minutes just do to do that transfer. And here's that's the crazy. irony: is that Apple's argument for the EU as to why they don't want to change to USB C is because, one, they think it would create more e-waste when this has been shown not to be true. If this was USB-C, the standard would improve. That's just a knee-jerk. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. The other one is because they say that it will limit innovation, which they have clearly done nothing with with this cable. So Apple. They're innovating, innovating, though. The top news on uh, TechMeme right now, some subscription app developers suspect Apple is buying Google ads that send users to their apps in the App Store to protect its cut by decreasing web signups. Based (laughs) on previous things we've talked about that as well. Innovating on ways to get their money. uh, Always be number one in my book at getting their money. Um, I don't think anyone will ever be better. I paid eight dollars in their app store so that I could snap Windows left and right on Mac OS. So <laughs> that's uh, that's just genius. Um, which candidly, I, if I'm honest, I actually wasn't even mad about. Like, it, I, I'm a fan of you know, if there's a problem that has a solution, it's not really a problem. It had a solution, I fixed it. It's not a problem. Um, yeah, the uh, the thing about I, I I actually don't know that they're going to go to USB C. It just seems like every report out there. And the explicit aspects of uh, wireless, of wireless, or within the EU, they even said it's like, listen, if you don't have a charge, a physical charging port, then you don't have to use USB C. That is in the EU's verbiage. So, so they're going to go dongleless. I think they're probably going to go completely, you know, with their MagSafe and whatever else, and you know. Well, yeah. and, and I think I think some of the challenge that they've had too, and I think this is not just an Apple challenge. This is kind of an ecosystem challenge. Is just the dumpster fire that USB C is from the standard of you know, or yes. to say from the perspective of standards. Um, you know, you yes, we've, we, yeah, the cables we've, aren't labeled. You have no idea what the power, what the charging, what the yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was there was an article that The Verge or, or somebody did a while back where they talked about all the different standards that USB C has, and it's an absolute mess. And like, and I think that's the part of it that's concerning is from you know, from a consumer perspective, 
if you're buying a device that leverages USB-C, you know, and you buy the wrong cable, will it still connect? Potentially, yes. But will it transfer at the speeds that are advertised? Probably not. And 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 I think for me, the part that's more concerning about that is the fact that with companies like Apple, you know, where, you know, again, they have this this ecosystem model that they really embrace and, and everything is built around their ecosystem from their perspective, you know, all that's going to do is reinforce, allow them to reinforce to customers that, hey, our cable is the only cable that's going to be supported for what we're advertising. And so you're going to see more of this proprietary push, I think, with USB-C longer term because of the fact that the standards are such a dumpster fire that you can't just go out to Amazon and buy any old cable because you're not going to get a consistent experience as you would if you're buying something first party. And you don't think the industry is ready for them to go uh, fully wireless charging only? I'm putting those words in your mouth, but what do you think about that? Uh, I'm 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 interested so. to see where that goes. So I, I don't yeah. think so either. The, I mean, the I industry have, definitely. So I have the little MagSafe. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say I have the little MagSafe puck for my iPhone, and yeah. honestly, it's really not any different than what it is. You know, if you're just leveraging, you know, um, the the Qi charging, the yeah. the experience is for the most part the same. Um, the, the big thing I think that's, that's, and, and again, this is where I hate Apple marketing is, you know, they talk about MagSafe as a whole. And you think about the MagSafe that we've all been accustomed to from the laptop's perspective. And then they use that same branding on the phone and it's nowhere near the same experience because while yes, you can just pick up the puck and rip it off the back of the phone. It's not going to save your phone from being ripped off a table or something like that either. So, I mean, from a wireless charging perspective, does it, is it efficient? Does it work? You know, does it charge faster than standard Qi charging? Maybe by a little bit, but really at the end of the day, I don't think that wireless charging is where it needs to be, you know, for, for full ecosystem adoption and support. Um, I sooner see them saying, you know, hey, we want to move to wireless charging simply because of the fact that we want to get rid of the port on the bottom of the phone. Um, and and that, to me, makes a whole lot more sense just because, you know, you think about, you know, well, then uh, talk about those transfer speeds and, wirelessly. Right. If you're if you're going to be dumping data. Well, right? and, 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 and that's just it. Other things. Have we hit a point? Yeah, have we hit a point now with like Wi-Fi six and, you know, um, certainly not the Bluetooth protocol that it doesn't seem to be evolving at all. But, you know, with with other wireless protocols and you're seeing, you know, Wi-Fi 6 and you're seeing, you know, other things from a low energy perspective with Bluetooth and, and otherwise that are certainly evolving to some degree. Um, have we hit a point where we still need the port on the bottom of the phone um, yeah. for ProRes video? I would argue you probably do. But, um, sure. you know, beyond that. Yeah. Who knows? And I'll, I mean, I'll caveat it all to say, too, that, like, even though my opinion of the industry not being ready for 100 percent wireless charging you know, I, I can remember when they took away the headphone jack on the iPhone and everyone was throwing a fit and I was in agreement with it. I was like, you can't do this. Like, we're not ready for this, but we managed and it was fine. So I think the same thing will happen with USB-C. Uh, I think, you know, this is a chicken and egg thing. People talk about the problems. I've been using USB-C as exclusively as humanly possible for maybe five years. Yeah, there and USB- I don't think it'll create more waste either. No. Like... Already, everyone already has plenty of USB-C cables. Trust me, it definitely won't create more waste. This is definitely a, a conversation that's taking taken foothold. You can look all over the internet about it. And I have never had any problems. I'll give you an example. I recently got my Pixel 6. Screw you, Google. I hate you. Um, <laughs> and then you know, I went to transfer from my other phone, uh, my Pixel 5. Screw you, Google. I hate you. The 
I didn't use the cable they gave me in the box. I just grabbed one sitting to my left and it transferred everything just fine. That cable in the box hasn't even been used once. I just use it with all the other USB-C cables I have lying around the house. Just fine. My wife wants to charge her HP laptop. She throws it on one of the uh, USB-C cables around the house. Doesn't even use the charger it came with. My work laptop, those on one of the USB-C cables around the house. My System76 Linux laptop, one of the USB-C cables around the house. This is not the problem that people make it out to be. It is especially not the problem that people made it out to be in like 2015 when people were concerned that USB-C cables were going to make their devices explode. There definitely were some problems very early on with that. Guess what? USB-A has also caused devices to stop working before. This is very common in early days. We're like five years past early days as this is as a medium. Absolutely, there are different types of cables out there. I will not, you know, I will not deny that in any way, shape or form. You can get to a hundred watt charging right now with tons of different cables, probably 20 bucks a cable. You can get 65 watt charging for half that, whatever it is. They're going to have 240 watt charging here soon. Within, by the time Apple decides to do this or not, you can pretty much buy every single cable to support 240 watt charging, which will also require every other standard aspect of the cable, which is display port going out, um, charging, all, all sorts of different things. The cable also regulates itself, by the way. So if you have you know, a, a phone that says, hey, I can only accept this charging, the cable will tell the charger what to do. And so these are all sorts of things that you can do with USB-C that haven't been able to be done before. It's way more universal. And over time, it will standardize dramatically more simplistically. But we're not going to get there until we actually start trying to get there. It's not just going to happen by accident. That's the way the world works. So that's what we have to do is we have to work to get there. And it'll be better. It's better for me in my house. That's for sure. Literally, I bought my 2018 iPad Pro because it had USB-C. Like, that was the reason why I bought that system. And it has charged with every cable in my house without issue. So, yeah, I've had a similar I've had a similar experience with with the uh with the iPad as well, you know, and and that was that was definitely a huge draw to that model away from I had a I think I had like the 20 I think it was like 2016 iPad Pro at that point that was like a 9.7 inch iPad Pro and that still had lightning and going to the new iPad Pro aside from like having face ID and smaller bezels and that type of thing USB was a, USB-C was a huge draw I completely agree just because of the fact that you could see that everything was headed in that direction and the convenience that would come from that was was absolutely worth it and I mean I'm I'm right there with you Russ like I want to see Apple move the iPhones to USB-C um, you know, will there be some minor inconveniences for people that, you know, have houses full of, uh, you know, lightning devices? Uh, certainly, you know, and I was I was actually sitting here looking at my desk and looking at, you know, the number of lightning devices that I have sitting on it, you know, really, aside from my phone, it's it's just like small peripherals. So like, you know, the, the controller for my Apple TV is charged via lightning. Um, my AirPods Pro case is charged via lightning, you know, my um my PowerBeats Pros are charged by lightning, which, as you can imagine, really upset me <laughs> when I received <laughs> that case. Uh, I was not not happy about it at all. Uh, in fact, I uh, I almost sent them back, but I love them too much. They're, I just like yep. the way they wrap around the air, so I still use them. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else in the news y'all want to talk about? You want to grab anything else before we have to shut this down? 
there, you know, I, I do need to leave because I am late for another call. I, I have some gripes about Mac OS that I sort of need some help with. So I wanted to bring them up, but maybe I'll bring them up uh, on another show uh, with Zook. I, I have five specific things that drive me okay. crazy. So did you see uh, you you guys know <clears throat> the Dallas based guys here? You guys know about Cyrus One, right? Local data center. It just got acquired for fifteen billion dollars in cash really? by KKR and Global Infrastructure Partners. Uh, I don't know them, and I didn't know don't know them either. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yep, Cyrus One has a new owner. Cool. All right, cool. I, um, well, I just threw in the chat. I just threw in the chat one one final article here. This is a great one to part with too. Um, if you did not see any of the pictures from Space SpaceX's Starlink launch on Saturday morning, um, they're quite otherworldly looking. Um, so the entire uh, kind of launch area, that whole Cape Canaveral area of Florida, was under some pretty dense fog uh, on the ground, and you just saw the 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 Falcon rocket just towering above the fog um and pretty incredible you know pictures just overall of the launch um that morning uh, it just doesn't look like something that was here on earth so it was pretty cool it looks like something out of star wars just in the preview that i see here like that looks like we're in yeah. you know cloud city and it's that's that's what's it crazy like to me. Dude, yeah. and that we yeah. probably need to we probably need to spend a little bit more time talking about this type of stuff because i, I feel like everyone is starting to get really nonchalant about some of the stuff that's happening uh, Agreed. with with launches lately like we eclipsed some pretty big things um accomplished a lot of i say we just whatever these programs spacex and blue origin and all that kind of fun stuff but it's faded really fast surprisingly so um, and even for us like we haven't we haven't been touching on it either um, and i don't think it's fair because some of this is still well not some of it all of it is still just absolutely incredible the consistency yeah, the fact that, is what stands out. The fact that me. we've now we've now normalized launching rockets yes. into you know into orbit, and not only that, but landing the boosters that sent the payload into orbit on a regular basis is is still just completely mind blowing. Yeah. Um, you know, and and this is you know you think about it, and this is you know a program that's only been around I think still less than ten years, um, which is incredible to think about. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, you go you go to NASA and you can see, you know, the several dozen missions that they've done over decades and decades. SpaceX is on track to hit 30 orbital launches this year. They've got 24 already down. That's incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely incredible. It is. All right, shut her down. I think we gotta go. I think we gotta roll out. Darren, thanks yeah, for being I here. I do. Man. I'm five minutes late for uh for my nine thirty. Uh, but that's going to do it for another episode of the Tech Breakfast Podcast. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. Yes, Zook, thank you for for jumping in and giving us your views of the uh, of the MacBook Pro, the new MacBook Pro. Uh, not just side, I think the MacBook Pro does seem to be a, a really good step forward, in particular with the ports. And uh, I'm just fascinated by the uh, the hardware architecture of the M1, just in general, the the chips they're making, both CPU and, and GPU wise. So thank you for joining again. Um, thank you for, for listening. Share it with your friends. Like it. Give us feedback. We love to hear it. And until next time, we'll see you later. Peace. See you.